You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Hey, y'all. The captain's little buddy, Al McManus here from ask for entertainment before jumping into this episode of making waves i just wanted to let you know that we'll have some brand new merch items in the Shiprock store very soon hashtag soon let's get your holidays rocking even harder this year with a gift for your beloved metalhead or better yet buy two for yourself check out store.askforent.com or just search the inner tubes for Shiprocked merch enjoy the episode <laughs> Making Waves, episode 18. Thank you for joining us. Well, we're very lucky to have uh, a two for tonight. So uh, listen, without further ado, my name is Justin. Co-host here is Chad. You guys know Chad from the band Wilson. And he's also the host of Shiprocked. uh, 20 and 21 coming up in uh, this next May. Anyway, uh, we're we're, we're super stoked tonight to to have uh, Zach and uh, Ken from the band Like a Swarm. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. You guys are right now in the midst of, I think, recording your fourth album. And so you guys are definitely yeah. making, the, yeah, making the best yep. of your, your time in this COVID situation we're in. So kudos to you folks. So, but again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. It's good to see you yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question. And this may, maybe, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, I'm kind of throwing Zach uh, under the bus here. Well, all of us besides you, really besides you, Ken. Uh, so like, why the hell would you start a band with your brothers? <laughs> well, I'm the only non-brother. So I, I know. know. So I was like, I, I think I, I'm not going to like, I'm, Zach's like out of this equation here because he's like a normal human being. But you can't like, what, what's up with that? Like, wh- what was your deal when you guys first started? Like when you looked around the room at your options, you're like the two people I probably argue with the most. Let's do this for the rest of our lives. What, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, that side of it could be quite good because you can go to those like brotherly arguments, and Zach could probably attest to this. And it can get worse than any argument that he, we don't we haven't really done them in years. But it can get worse than any argument you'd have between two normal people. But then you don't hold a grudge. So then, you, and I remember people like in the crew and stuff. You know, you'd be like, "Fuck you, man! Fuck you!" And then, "Cool, what's for lunch?" So what are we having for lunch? Okay, you want to come for lunch? And and whereas two people will do like um, passive aggressive digs and power plays, and then they'll have this long-standing feud between them that never gets settled and eventually breaks up a band. You know, and we just yeah. you, when it's your brothers, it's all out on the table, man. You know exactly what everybody thinks about everything because no one's shy about sharing it. You know, that's funny. I never thought about because you could like speaking of being out of the table and going to lunch, you could punch your brother's sandwich. Right. And like you, you normally those that'd be like two on tour, two dudes would fight, you know, like you just have your, your buyout. Somebody punches your sandwich. That's a whole thing for the rest of the day. You guys are no longer friends moving forward forever. <laughs> However, you're punching yeah. your brother's sandwich and he's all like, 
all right, well, I'm gonna forget about that tomorrow because, uh, you know, I got other shit to do. And I, I, I came out of the same womb as you with, but without, with yeah, you just said, like, uh, it, probably the flashpoint goes a lot quicker because you all, you also don't like hold back. Right. Cause you've known one another your whole lives and you know, nobody's going anywhere. So, but, but then you get over it quicker and it kind of just started cause we were all in different bands growing up and then we could, we used to jam together, but kind of thought it was quite kind of a bit naff to be in a band with your brothers, you know, when we were teenagers, didn't, didn't want to look like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and, um, cause you guys are hot too. Yeah. So well, and like, even when we first moved and we were making our first record in Los Angeles, this management company was like, I got it. You guys are going to be like, the Jonas Brothers of Rock. And we're like, cool. Thanks, man. Nice to meet you. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Zach, he's got a front row seat to all this, like the drama that you must, you must uh, be like, yes, yes, my precious. <laughs> when it pops off. How does that work for you, bud? Um, it's, it definitely gets pretty intense, but, but like Kent said, they haven't really had any bad ones in years, but I mean, when we were touring band before we moved to tour buses, it could get pretty heated, you know, driving 12 hours in one day and then someone says something, it just gets taken the wrong way. But you know, all that, it hasn't happened in a while. And Chad, you, you must know that a lot of that has to do with the fact that you've been in a van for 12 hours together. You know what I mean? It wouldn't matter who was in there and what's going on. It's yeah. like when a band first starts out, you put yourself in some pretty gnarly circumstances just to try and get things going you not know only yourself but like literally everybody else that's in your in your in your war path right you know yeah as you, can, yeah as you guys can probably attest to when you're in that band i can't imagine being in a band with my siblings and then here's i can't imagine being zach being in a band with three siblings in a van traveling overnight for 12 <laughs> hours from load out to load in and being like oh my just like sitting back in the back seat being like Please, for the love of God, don't let this be the night that we fucking fly off the road because three brothers started arguing. <laughs> yeah, but I would imagine at that point, too, that after that first tour, Zach's basically part of the whole brotherhood, too. Not maybe not the blood, but, you know, everything is close. And then you start getting a point, you start realizing, like, you know, bands like Chevelle and Kings of Leon and God forbid the Beach Boys are these massively influential bands. And after a while, you just forget that they're related. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we think we think of Zach, we've treat, always treated Zach evenly i mean i don't yeah. i don't spend a lot of time thinking about the fact they're my brothers yeah you know just i don't spend a lot of time thinking about this the fact zach's not my brother we just sort of get on with it we're closer yeah. than fr closer than friends for all the time yeah. you spend together you know years touring traveling around the world doing all this stuff that only the four of us each know what it's like to have gone and done you know yeah totally. so so let me ask you guys, I, I'm going to throw you guys the uh, the interview 101 question. Uh, Zach, I got to start with you, bud. Who are your influences when you were growing up? Who made you say, you know what? I think I'm going to be, I, I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a musician for my life. Um, I actually have uh, two exact moments of when that was, and each one is very special, actually. Um, when I was around 10 years old, um, for those of you who don't know, my father was a tour manager for a lot of really famous bands. And uh, one of these bands at the time was Godsmack. And it was my birthday and I went to see him because he was on tour. So I haven't seen him in several months. And uh, Shannon, the drummer of Godsmack, knew it was my birthday. And for the song, Whatever, they invited me to go on there and play the drums for it. And I was just starting off drums at this time. And it was in front of 15,000 people. And like that night after doing that, I knew that's something I want to continue to do for the rest of my life because there's just no other feeling like that. And um, what was really awesome was two years ago when we actually ended up touring with Godsmack, we played ACDC, all four of us on stage with Godsmack. It kind of felt like full circle. And uh, yeah. it introduced me to it. And then we were ending up doing it together. 
And uh, my other major influence would be Scott Phillips from Creed and Alter Bridge, mm-hmm. an amazing drummer overall. And uh, they've let me play with them a couple of times at Soundcheck and just being able to play with Mark and Brian and Miles is incredible feeling just something you want to keep doing and that's definitely what really kind of got me started on wanting to pursue being in a band that's what's interesting too is that you actually had well i dare say the gumption to get up and play with shannon and actually sully too there's a hell of a drummer and how was that intimidating you just kind of go with it i mean or, or do you feel like hey i'm really good friends with these guys because everything the association with my father was it easy that way or was it even more nerve-wracking it was actually really nerve-wracking i was it was in dallas when we did that and then the first time uh, i think it was in new jersey and it wasn't even the fact there's like twenty thousand people watching it's because shannon is watching me play drums so i was like oh god yeah i gotta play my right. dad he's my idol so yeah definitely more nerve-wracking having them watch me than the crowd for sure yeah I, I tell you what, I always, I still, those guys have all been around. I mean, you know, uh, everyone you've mentioned has been around for a long time, but I still consider them somewhat new. Like when you think of a new influence, for sure. you know, it's always, a, it's always, I always love hearing when people like that are, are, are name checked as influences instead of people going Bonham or, you know, Buddy Rich or whoever. So it's, it's always great to hear that. So thank you so much for that. And uh, uh, Kent, how about you? Well, I, I started out playing drums and, um, wasn't anywhere near as good as Zach has come to be, but um, uh, so I was really into Nirvana, Dave Grohl, and Guns N' Roses, especially that first Guns N' Roses record with Stephen Adler and Metallica. And then I started um, writing songs, and so kind of moved to so started playing more guitar just to get um, you know to get more into that songwriting space. And then for ages we were like it was Chris, Matt, and I all playing guitar, and we couldn't find a bassist, and we were like this is ridiculous we're like i we don't need to be iron maiden with three guitarists and then right. we don't even have a bassist so so i was like cool all right i'll switch to playing bass mm-hmm. and that was right before our first record so the whole time that we've been doing what we've been doing i've always played bass but then i kind of just grew to love that and just kind of did a deep dive on that you know all the different various eras of all the metallica bassists for example rage against machine bassists, what paul mccartney was doing in the beatles yeah yeah, well, yeah those are heavy hitters now, let me ask you is there a certain when you become a rhythm section, is there a certain like intuition between the two? Is there a connection or something? I don't want to think of some sort of like spiritual or magical thing, but is there a certain connection between a uh, drummer and bassist when you guys are getting to it? I mean, guitarists kind of tend to wander off and we all know about lead singers. So uh, just kind of curious. Yeah, sorry, Chad. I like to call it top bunk, bottom bunk. Right? That's what, what I refer to the, to, to, to the rhythm yeah, section. Yeah. Well, that was for me, that was the first part going from guitar to bass was, uh, you know, a guitarist could just look or I certainly did anyway, you just look at a bass as being it's a guitar with less strings. And then Mm -hmm. you suddenly start to realize like, no, actually, my job isn't to play those melodies as much as get locked with that drummer and make that sound like it's one thing, the two of us playing together. So yeah, yeah, we worked on that heaps in the beginning. And then uh, by now, I just I think like man, like in back in those Zach and I were always once shared hotel rooms together and stuff. So we've always just had a real tight connection. Yeah, and it translates it helped, on the stage. Well, Kent, could I ask you, coming from someone who wanted to be a drummer, that was your first thing. Uh, was it kind of easy then to transition about the the whole thing of like following the drummer when you're ba- playing bass? Yeah, I think so because I've always been really mindful of what the drums are doing. And in fact, mm-hmm. when I'm up on stage, I'm, most of my mix is pretty much the drums. Okay. Because, as I say, like I kind of see my main job is to lock in with what he's doing, and then the rest of it kind of sits on top, you know. Okay. Yeah, Zach, same way, same same feel. 
Yeah, in, in fact, it really took me to start touring and playing live music to appreciate bass as much as I do now. When I was younger, and you just hear it on records. It's there, but I don't know, I was just young and didn't really pay attention to it. But when you start touring live and you actually feel the bass and how locked it is with the drum kit, you just completely, uh, it's your backbone. You need it just as much as they need you. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, thanks. Know, I, thanks, guys. Yeah. The thing about the bass, too, and, and I, I have to say, I didn't really pay attention to it either. And it really wasn't until James, like our, the Wilson bassist, um, was in, when I was playing with him and I watched him play. I'm like, oh, that's what a bassist can do. Not like finding that area to where that works with the drums, that you, but also having those moments inside of the song where it's like, this isn't just a partnership it's like ebb and flow in, in areas where spaces are in between kicks and snares and things like that. And that was the first time for me. And that was like t- 10 years ago. And I'm, you know, so I felt like a little bit of like an asshole and being like, cause I always used to say bass, <laughs> basically nobody cares or whatever it was <laughs> until like James. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm well, I was the same, you know? Yeah. I always thought the bassist was the dude out of the mates who drew the short straw. Like when we were teenagers growing up, you know, like some good, some dude got to be guitarist, some good, very few got to be lead singer and some other dudes yeah. got to be the drummers, you know, and I was sort of like, why does the dude want to play the bass? And then when I started playing it, um, yeah, you yeah, you really get it because you lock it, you kind of bridge the gap between the guitars and the drums. And it's that kind of instrument that nobody notices, but you really notice when it like cuts out at a gig, like if all of a yeah. sudden there's no low end. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the first thing the crowd can't pick up on. Well, it's funny you mentioned Iron Maiden as a reference a little earlier about the guitar thing, because without Steve Harris, I don't I couldn't even think of Iron Maiden without Harris driving the band. Or it's the same yeah, with like when you talk about totally. rhythm sections, I can't think about Geezer Butler and Bill Ward together. I can't think about those two not playing. They're actually the strongest no. components of the band. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it, it is not to keep harping on this bass thing, but I, I just can't can't help but 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 notice like uh, no, this is bass aficionado, isn't it? Podcast bass yeah, aficionado, no, is, is, am I right? I've, I've come to the right place. Yeah, that's, we have yeah, an open bass. agenda. We have, we have no agenda. <laughs> oh, how are you doing? We're on bass. Uh, but I had a question <laughs> about right. who who because like we heard about your brothers, all three of you playing guitar, right? And one at one point you couldn't find a bassist, right? So somebody had to do it why you like what was it what was that decision making moment rochambeau well i I kind of offered i've always i've always like uh like i grew up playing piano and then drums and then guitar and bass so i've always loved being able to play but i don't play any of them like exceptionally well but i've always loved being able to move around them so it to me it was kind of like oh this would be a cool thing to try doing and then um, Chris and Matt both sing lead, so I don't know if there. Are, I mean, there are bands that do that, but typically the lead singer's got the guitar, and and the bass does have to be tight with the drums, and the guitar not ideally, but the guitar can be a little bit hairy as the lead singer's strumming away, and so you know you need. So I, it's just for a few reasons, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you wanted Zach, to do that, mate. You were probably Zach. Could I ask curious. you? Um, yeah. Zach, I was going to ask, could you could is what could you switch to bass if you had to? If you guys ever had to like interchange, or have you guys ever done that when you're practicing? Like, hey, let me give a, the bass a whack and you take over the drums. Do you, have you guys ever done I, that? 
I have no idea how to play guitar or bass. <laughs> Only when I play drums. I mean, I might look cool with a bass, but that's about it. I, I don't think I could sure. I don't know how to strum it. I, <laughs> that's all you need, bro. You look cool right now, or you put a bass guitar on you. Yeah. Game over. I, I have yeah. a actually. Actually, he does look cool with the bass guitar on. It just doesn't sound very cool, but he does look fucking cool. With the bass <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Great. I've always thought that. <laughs> I wanted to circle on one thing. I mean, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. And uh, so excuse me for being that guy. I'll try to find my own wording here. However, you're in New Zealand right now, Kent, right? And, uh, and, and Zach, you're in Los Angeles. So you're, you're continents among many apart. And at some point in time, you had to meet each other, which is, I'm assuming, is through the, the various forms of touring. And, and Zach came into the fold. I'm not, you can tell me here. But my, my real question is, why the fuck does three, why, why did the other two members of your family unit decide to move to the U.S. when you have New Zealand? which is so beautiful and so amazing. It's like, why was that implanting happening? How did that, how did that happen? I guess? Well, well, we all moved up. We, we all started, we moved up to Vancouver. When we grew up, like New Zealand's kind of got these dual influences for music, right? And a lot of people are influenced by English music and that English scene, Oasis, Blur, Britpop, you know, those kinds of bands. And then others are influenced by the American side, you know, your Metallicas and your, you know, Guns N' Roses and Soundgardens and all of that. And we were always, we always, our dream was to come up and have a career in the US. And so, like, we love it in New Zealand. Like, it is the greatest country on earth. But it's a really small country, which is partly why it's the greatest country on earth. You know, it's really isolated. It's tucked away. It's green. It's quiet. It's clean. Um, but you couldn't have a touring career or a professional career without going overseas. And so, yeah, so we left um, back before our first record and moved to Vancouver. But the the goal was to come into the U.S. And uh, one day we paid a guy enough money and we hopped in the back of his truck. And no, we, we made our first record in L.A. Story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, seriously, how, I mean, how did you guys meet the two? I mean, especially being where you were at the time in your life and, and where they were at the time in their life. Oh, we met. Yeah, Zach. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you meet these guys? I guess it was I guess it was like 10 years ago now. I'm going back to my dad tour managing. He was tour managing Creed on that reunion tour in uh, 2009 or 10, whenever that was. And um, they were the opening band on it. And uh, I wanted to go because I saw their music video for Chemical Infatuation. I thought I was like, that's really badass. I want to meet those guys. So I had my dad introduce me and um, the rest is kind of history. We just kicked it off and I told them I played drums and we became close family friends. And every time um, they were in town, they'd come over our house and we jammed together and stuff. And um, as the years went on, a uh, position opened itself and they knew I knew all the songs and I got a call one day and um, I've been in the band ever since. It's kind of how it worked, but it was just one of those uh, right place at right time things. Cause if I didn't go to that show, I would have never met them. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And if I you hadn't have taken an interest to in the music, it would have never happened. It just been like, Oh, you're the opening band. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it boggles your mind when you think about that stuff. If I did this or if I didn't do that, like where yeah. I'd be, just, it was a simple decision. Cause the show was about, three hours away. So I was, you know, I wasn't really sure if I was going to go or not anyway. So, but it changed my life though. That's for sure. Yeah. 
Wow, that's the stars align. Definitely. What did you think, Ken, when you met when he came in in, and said, Hey, what's up? I'm this dude's son. I love your band. And you know, uh, how did you move from like red on bro into like to (laughs) oh shit, you should be in our band? You know, what what was that? What was that moment for you? Well, we we got to know their whole family and, and became really tight with their family over the years. And then Zach was drumming in different bands. And it kind of just seemed like one of those things that you could, you just didn't really think about until the opportunity presented itself. And Zach came out for a tour. Actually, the first gig was in Detroit, where you are at the Fillmore. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and and we've just, I mean, and a big part of it is, as as you know, is, is it's not just the musical chemistry. It's being able to be mates and hang out together and tolerate one another's company and you know most of the stuff you end up doing in a band if you're on a tour bus or airports or hotels or you know at a backstage at a venue you know there's most of the days just being around one another and we've and we've just always hit it off and then and then musically as well i mean zach's just an absolute beast on the drums what he doesn't do on the bass guitar he more than makes up for on the drums <laughs> and he looks good at, you're like a double whammy <laughs> there yeah and he so looks damn good hazed? with the bass yeah. yeah yeah exactly did you do you guys haze him i have to ask that and then I'll move on from this. This, this, this I think this. Zach has the hazing ever ended from Chris yeah, to you. It's uh, mainly Chris, the singer, because we have we have like a really fun friendship. <laughs> never, never, I don't think it ever will. I mean, I could be in that band for thirty more years; it will still go on. I love that hazing my hazing band members like for love is like the whole reason, at least why I why I got in the van every tour. I was like, wait, I'm gonna get to make fun of these guys for two months. Let's go. <laughs> I also made a telling them that I always wanted brothers when I was younger, and now that we all tour, we're basically all brothers. And now Chris is acting as the older brother, picking on the younger one. So. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Now you're stoked you didn't have brothers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to ask those questions because I mean, obviously, you've been asked it before, but I figured we might as well, uh, n- you know, nail that. Uh, the head of that call. I thought we were going to talk about bass guitar for two hours. What's going on? Yeah, well, you know, we are on basically making waves. So uh, I, I would understand. So I guess moving moving on from there, we talked a little bit about that cool um, situation that you guys had from your influences, from coming from an influence, uh, as Justin brought out of you here but then also turning that influence around into being a moment in your life that you'll remember forever obviously but on tour in general as we've been talking about what are some of like the most standout situations tours that you've ever been on i mean you guys have been out with alter bridge blackstone cherry hell yeah three days grace steel panther shine down and godsmack um do you have any like, things that's and wilson <laughs> Thank you for letting us tour with you. We opened up for uh, these guys uh, last summer, right? August. Dude, it yeah, was so August. fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it was a really great time. It was actually our last tour, and we knew that yeah. before going into that. I don't think we told you guys that because we're like, don't, oh, good. I always just, I always just assumed it was. I always just assumed it was being on tour with us. You're like, it's like watching. You guys yeah, I knew it. Fuck this. I was like, <laughs> right. I can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah, do you right. have any like incredible, incredible stories that you just like you know that you will never ever 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 be able to like you know experience again type sort of like taking it to the grave things when you meet icons like like um meeting slash and getting to tour with slash and we played with him at the house of blues in new orleans and that um i mean it is for anyone but especially if you come from new zealand that's a real 
pinch yourself kind of moment, you know. And then um, last year we played Download Festival in Japan, the first one they'd ever had there. And we always had this um, dream that we wanted to, A, travel to Japan and then, B, get to tour there. And so we got this offer and we were actually on tour with Godsmack in Europe and we didn't want to say no to either because obviously both was super badass, you know. So we uh, flew from Norway to Tokyo, played the show, and then back to Berlin, which is nuts to think what you can't do now, right, with, with yeah. COVID. Yeah. And we, that's what, yeah. that was what we did last year. And that was just yeah. insane, man, because it was we were the first band of the day. So that starts to hit you too. Like you've probably had this, Chad. Like you do a festival and you see your name on the bill and you're like, awesome. Then you get there and realize like, wow, we're pretty – I hope some people show up, man. This is pretty early, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and there it was, um, it was like 10 a.m. on a Thursday. So I was like – uh, you know, this is going to be a cool thing to have said we've done, you know, and it's going to be fun, but I don't think that many, who's going to be there at 10 a.m. on a Thursday and you couldn't hear anything. And so I'm saying to the guys, you know, even if it's like the place held 20,000 people. So I'm like, look, even if there's like a thousand people, like it looks empty, that's still probably like that's a club, you know. So, you know, there's still, you know, pardon the pun, making waves. So um, <laughs> we um, so so we're walking down beside the side of the stage and you can't hear anything out there. And I was like, wow. And we get up to the side of stage and we looked out. And because, as you guys probably know, the um, Japanese are known for being so polite and respectful. And everybody was yeah. just standing silently, patiently waiting, 20,000 people. And we have this, I've always had this cue where they, they trigger our smoke machines. And I've always used that as a cue to like see how into it the crowd's going to be that night. Because if they cheer for that, then it's like, oh, yeah, man, they came for a good time. And if they don't cheer for that, then you're like, okay, cool, fair enough. They need to be warmed up a little. You know, they you know, they need to be impressed by more than just somebody queuing the smoke machine, which is fair enough. And um, Exact the bass. So, they love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, my bass was accidentally live and, and I banged against this pole and it just went... Brrr! through the place and the whole place erupted and it's like oh fuck yeah this is going to be awesome and yeah. it was azac it was insane oh yeah there's there oh there's, there's, there's the crowd. oh my god you had the photo Twenty thousand so people you're not seeing that we're looking at is the these four dudes having what seems to be a massive moment in front of twenty thousand people and this is like a flat surface too they're not like there, there's 20,000 people like festival style, not in like a bowl at all, not amphitheater. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. What time of the day was that? That looked dark. Like 10 in the morning. Does the sun yeah. not come up there? Or was oh, it, it, was in, in, it was in like a big, big indoor amphitheater place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 That's <laughs> right. Well, no, the, the interesting the thing about 10 in the morning. I'll tell you what, though, that shows that the Japanese are so courteous because I don't think if they thought, well, you know, American audience is like, well, we'll get there when we get there. We'll miss a few bands. I think Japanese, they feel like they didn't insult the opening band if they didn't show up and see them. And I think they would like be. Yeah, that's their how they value culture like that is just phenomenal. I wish it was really something, a template for the world, Um, because they also value how much they spend on the ticket. They're going to get every second worth. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Amazing. That's seen a great story. Like yeah, that must have been just like there's no one out there. We can't hear a thing, and they're just waiting. And you're like, oh, dude, oh my god, you could have heard a pin drop. And you're sitting up yeah. in the dressing room, and you can, yeah. sit, and the countdown clock is going to you have to hit the stage, and then walking <laughs> beside the stage, they sort of put up these curtains to make this sort of back, back, like makeshift backstage area to get up onto the stage. 
So you're walking beside where you think a crowd's supposed to be, and you're like, I don't hear anyone, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you get and go up the ramp, <laughs> and it was the exact opposite. It was, yeah, it was so cool. Amazing, amazing. Super spinal tappy too. <laughs> like just, yeah. I, can, I can see it. You know, see the timer yeah. in my head going by. It was five, four. You're like, fuck. We just flew. You oh, said you flew man. from Berlin. Is that where you were at that before that? Uh, in Norway, we came from Norway. Norway. You're just yeah. Like, somebody's getting fired after this as you're walking down the stairs and walk out the back. <laughs> oh my god, that that's incredible. It's funny because the man who booked us on it, he said, yeah, you know, when I sent you the time of what you're playing, I was really expecting you to tell us, yeah, no way. When we saw it, it was at 10 in the morning. But, uh, you know, we didn't. We were just absolutely blown away that that audience was there that early. Just crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I expected yeah. you to say, and we were like, we thought it said PM, our bad. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, that, Zach, do you, have an, do you have a story as well that if someone you play with or maybe an incident that happened on the road or anything like that you, you care to discuss? This is a terrible trade I have, and I have so many, but every time, and I know Kent says the same thing, when you put it on the spot, you just never think of them, and then you'll mm-hmm. think about it at some random point in your life. I oh, that's incredible. How do I not remember that? But um, there, there is one. Um, actually, there's two, I guess. I mean, Just like Japan, we played in Bulgaria with Godsmack, and, and Godsmack's huge in Bulgaria, and it's a country I never thought I'd go to ever in my life. I mean, I thought it was basically like Borat. I, I mean, I just knew nothing about it. <laughs> And um, it was amazing. Stan. Yeah, it was just it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And we got there and we played there and it was this huge, huge indoor arena. And it was like one of the rowdiest shows we've ever played in our lives. It was like, I think three circle pits going on, people jumping up and down. It was, it was just wild. And it felt like we were the headliner and we weren't. We were just so thankful to be there. But it was, it was crazy. I just can't imagine yeah. how I played, how they felt. And um, another thing, like when Ken said we were on tour with Slash, we had the chance to open up for Ozzy Osbourne. And um, we were told that uh, Sharon Osbourne picks the music uh, by hand. Like she actually listens to it and chooses who opens for Ozzy. And I think he listened to it too. And they both really liked it. And I just, I thought that was really cool and special. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Because she, she, she is definitely uh, someone to let you know that she doesn't yeah. like you. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Holy right. shit. I mean, that's a huge. That, I mean, how many countries have you guys been to? Bulgaria? I don't know anybody else who's played Bulgaria. Uh, At least, yeah. you know, tell think, me about it. I think 25 now, 26, we've, we've played and toured and we, we've been very fortunate to go. Yeah. A lot of- we got lucky because la- last year we went to Japan twice, uh, Europe twice, the US three times, and then New Zealand for a tour as well. And then um, this year we were going to make an album. So, like, I feel really badly for our mates who did the opposite, spent all last year making an album and then thought that this year they were going to hit, hit yeah. the road hard, you know, and we know a lot of yeah. bands like that. So we just, yeah, we got really lucky. We did, did a lot of traveling last year. So Shit. let's talk about it. You guys are working on a new album. Um, yeah. Anything you care to, to disclose right now? Is it all kind of like mums the word? You're kind of like no secrets right now. No, not really. It's going to come out in stages next year with basically uh, the first track off at the Phoenix has been released. We released that back at the, man, back when the whole lockdown started. And um, it's been interesting making it the way we've had to as a result of being in different places and, um, and doing a lot more of it over Zooms and emails and stuff like that. But we made our last two records. We produced the last two records ourselves too. So fortunately, it's we've been able to just carry on with what we've been mm-hmm. doing. 
but yeah, we'll be releasing a lot of it next year. I think we've got probably got to have a track coming in early January and then all of next year. And we've just um, been, been, I mean, we've, as I say, we've just, we've been grateful that we've been able to stay busy with that and that we've done the touring we had in 2019, which yeah. wasn't by design, obviously. That's just, we just got lucky that way this time around. Yeah. So, um, COVID. Right here, like this yeah, something about year. COVID, right? It was yeah. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was like, I could really do with a, I could really do with a year off. Way. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's then talk about isolation, uh, which obviously very well uh, title is very apt. Um, just stripped down acoustic. It's a marvelous. It's a beautiful album. Oh, um, thanks, man. Yeah, and uh, cool. it's it's obviously something. When I first queued it up, I was like, I was not expecting that. Um, certainly. Cause I didn't, I didn't read the liner notes on it. I just thought, okay, new album wreck, check it out. And then I like started going, wait a minute, hold on, this is super stripped down and super raw. And obviously uh, it's going to touch upon people's emotions for sure. Especially this, this with the title and obviously and everything that's going on, people feel a longing for music and other, each other. And here we are. Um, again, it just, it's almost a, uh, you guys had like this kind of foreseeing of what was going to happen when you put this out. What was the idea well, that, behind that? Was what, the, was, um, what was the idea was the behind it? For... Okay, well, I don't know where I lost you, but so I'll just ask. Can you hear me now? Oh, that's, that's the audio behind these. Yeah, sorry, man. I think it's Mike. I mean, I'm beaming in from New Zealand here. Okay, can you hear so, me now, though? Yeah. Or either one of you? All can things considered, it's pretty awesome what you can do these days. Have you guys got yeah, me? Seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what was, okay, what was the inspiration? Can, can you hear me now? <laughs> We're all good. Can we hear? Can we hear each other? Yep. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, what was the idea behind yeah. the strip? The stripped down versions. What was the What was the idea there? They were the audio from these online shows we were doing for our fans. We did these free online shows back when there was that first lockdown and everybody all over the world was stuck inside. And then uh, they were just the audio that went along with the video. Lost to them and going, hey, these actually turned out pretty good. So we put yeah. them together on a CD and then put that up on Spotify. And we've got another one coming out next week. We'll mm -hmm. probably just do volumes of them. And when we get a, once we get past the stage of the record, we'll probably look at going back and doing some of those online shows again, maybe. But yeah. um, we've always kind of had those two sides. So it'd be cool to figure out how to tour that side of it because um, it's obviously totally different from the other, you know, the more live stuff live band yeah. stuff and, and the stuff, yeah, stuff you've been putting out too the different kinds of music so we just love getting to play yeah listening to some of your influences i i don't know if there are there influences or just songs you like because you have everything from coolio to goo goo dolls i mean that's kind of a wide range of uh <laughs> things to cover <laughs> <laughs> no. can you hear me it yeah, man, I can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can all you guys right. hear me? All right. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're good. You guys are sounding really great. You just pause every once in a while because of the connection, but I'm sure that's just because of the thoughts that are uh, like beaming out so, of our brain holes into head. this right now. You know, like, <laughs> no, like I mean, like was either one of you like the answer? I mean, what was the inspiration behind doing Coolio? Coolio uh, it came on. Um, in a movie and then we were in the theater and we were like fuck a, a band could do a pretty cool version of this you know and then so we kind of just uh, chipped away at it at, on the side of making our second record and then it started coming together 
you know, and it's one of those ones that it's like either the crowd loves it as soon as it kicks in or they're like, this is totally whack. But then after a while, they start to get it when they see kind of what you're doing with it. But it's, it's mm-hmm. really funny to watch people's faces when that one starts live. But yeah, it was just like, fuck, a band could really do a mean, heavy version of this. And then we thought, oh, shit, let's give it a go. I, I'm curious, too. There's probably fans young enough to not even realize that Action Action, that's not a cover. They think, well, that's the original song. They don't know that's a cover song. There's some people. There's some people of some age that don't even know who Coolio is, and I can't imagine that. Well, we, but there are. Chris always used to uh, either like uh, preface it on stage with saying it was the New Zealand national anthem, or it was about growing up in the main streets of New Zealand. Or... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's very. It's often you hear, uh, you know, hip hop bands will take a rock song and do something with it, but very rare do you have a rock act turn around and, and do a hip hop song and, and kind of turn it in more of a well, in this case, an acoustic song. But like, a, you know, they usually rock it up. You don't hear that often. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the acoustic version. But we, we did, we've done a heavy version of it too. So we and then and then so we we did an acoustic version because we'd done it for um you know those octane sessions and a few radio shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we put that one out too. Yeah. yeah. So with your volume two, are you going to do the same situation? Because you guys, I mean, being on tour with you, I've, obviously I I know that that you have covers that have existed, but are you going to do? Your, the same with this with volume two, where some of your tracks and some of the covers that you had covered on those records or previously done in those situations, or is the next version going to be straight up like your tracks only? Do you did you get any certain feedback, you know, from their fans? Which way to go? It's going to be this time we're actually making the leap from uh, Coolio to 90s rap. So we're just going Sick. straight there this time. Yeah. So uh, are we talking, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like, uh, is it like a Dre thing? NWA? Are you going to like two live crew nights? Uh, we, the heavy yeah. shit, you know, M- MC Hammer, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, you get it. Can't quit because you're. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Waka waka. I would, I would if I could. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. <laughs> So, so if, if so, with okay, the new record coming out, and if things hold, and we can somehow get some sort of normality come next year at some point, uh, European tour, first headlining one. We've got a, a European tour. We've got a that was um yeah that was that's going to be rebooked for next year. We've got a New Zealand tour that we'll have to rebook as well, and then uh, we've got some festival dates in the US. So we're kind of just, you know, like everybody, you just wait and see, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you're kind of be ping- headlining tour, tour, right? I'm oh, sorry, Justin. Um, no, I was just going to, if you're doing all this, you're doing, you know, your homeland and then you're doing Europe and the States for some festival. You guys are ping ponging around. So again, a yeah. very full schedule. We love it. I mean, this, I think we're lucky the four of us just love traveling. So like, on our days off, you know, if we're in France, we'll go to Omaha, you know, and, and so we, we love going around visiting all the history. We, we love going to, to, when we were in Tokyo, we went to all the different prefectures, you know, try and see as much of it as you can or in um, Berlin with all of the monuments they have around there. That's a really cool, I mean, we're really lucky to get to travel around and do that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so we're looking forward to it when it starts up again. Let me, a quick question. When you guys talk about traveling around cities when you have a day off, do you guys get recognized? Are you at that point? Um, it's happened to me a couple of times on, I'm, I'm not very tall, so I, I blend in very easily, but the other guys, they're, they're pushing six feet. I think they get recognized a lot more than I do. <laughs> okay. Just always, I'm the I, just always, yeah, <laughs> I'm the ba- I, I got right, nothing right. to worry about. Yeah. 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 Just always curious. <laughs> Dude, when we, when, it's like, 
hey, do you know who those guys are? <laughs> yeah, when we first started, uh, like I had to sell our own merch. And uh, it was way back when yes. we first started. And people would come up and they'd be like, are they any good? And I'd be like, no, they suck. <laughs> and then afterwards, <laughs> he'd come back and see me and they're like, you should have told me you were in the band. <laughs> so, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, um, I've been with Chris before and someone's like, yo, can you take my photo with him? I'm like, sure. And then they just walk away after him. <laughs> All right. Yeah, oh, God. God. Terrible. I've had that Terrible. too. <laughs> Isn't that the most awkward thing? I mean, I've been I've been on the receiving and the uh, of both ends, right? I've been like the guy standing next to Jason, and Jason's like, "Okay, I guess I'll take this photo of you." Yeah, guys. yeah. And, then funny, the photo yeah. and then vice versa, especially with Pooey, because he's he, like our, you know, Pooey. He's yeah, a yeah. such an a character, right? You can't miss him. And when I shave my beard, I'm very very dismissible. Uh, but at one point, you would watch him like just come. He's just standing there getting all these pictures taken. I said, "Hey, we gotta get in the van and get out of here." And he's like, "Okay, man." He's all drunk. And somebody goes, "Can you get my photo with him?" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." Get in the fucking van. <laughs> you guys have been uh, of all that touring though. This is like your first. Well this was going to be your first headliner, right? In Europe? Yeah, in Europe. Yeah, well, yeah. So we got right about that. Yeah. So well, we're, it's going to happen, so hopefully. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, well. Man. That does Can I suck, ask you but... guys a question? I'm always kind of curious about, uh, we always talk about, you know, you, you go to play in Bulgaria and it's it's massive and, you know, it, the culture there is so still driven by rock and roll. Why do you think the differences between audiences in Europe and, and America are? What do you reckon, Zach? You want you want to go? Uh, you can go. I'll, I'll go in after you. Well, I think I think to a certain degree they're kind of different um, culturally everywhere, just for what the um, what the culture of the place is. Like, uh, I mean, we did a tour of Canada, and it kind of didn't really seem like the crowds were into it at all. And then afterwards, they'd be like, "That was great. That was great." But you know, because that, that's sort of the culture they are. And the US can have that that really cool um, tailgating party. And when US people they come for like a good time, like a party, you know, they're there to yeah. celebrate. And then in Europe, it's almost like medieval, the level of like how hard out they're going, you know, cause it just goes back. That's just what they've done, you know? And then, and then, you know, and then in, in, um, in Japan, it's, I think that's the, that's the moment they have to really express themselves. So the rest yeah. of it, they're always so reserved and polite and conscious of each other. And then this is their time to go nuts. So it's been, it's been really cool to watch. I mean, it's it's all amazing, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting <laughs> the Europe thing, the medieval. Yeah. <laughs> Can oh, I ask dude. a question about the Europe thing? Because I, well, I was discussing this t- t- today, and Justin, you might you might even agree or or have something to add here. Uh, one of the things I noticed, and I notice every day in in the news in general, is I feel like there's a sense of in Europe and most countries, but specifically Europe. There's like I trust and I trust you sense when it comes to the press, when it comes to people who are like movers and shakers inside of that nucleus that is a music community. The BBC guys, you know, when you get the stamp of approval over there and by one of those larger publications, I mean, print still exists in a major way there. Right. If you get like in a stamp of approval over there, it, it really means something and it transcends and helps your career versus here. It's like, you know, not to talk shit about any publication because it's really not their fault it's the overarching version of it but like a loudwire right everybody gets jacked when they get like a premiere on loudwire but it never really moves the needle the way that like 
you know, a metal hammer premiere or something like that would have gotten would get the band, especially specifically there. And even in the States, uh, do you guys have any any experiences with that or have anything that you've noticed in that way? Yeah, I wonder if it's just a, it's a bit more ingrained culturally into what they do there. If you're into, um, you know, like there, there are those magazines like Kerrang! and stuff that have a really big presence. Whereas in the U.S., it's um, it's quite a the U.S. is quite a social media driven culture, isn't it? So sure. everybody can have their own sense of what they're really into, but there isn't um, those sort of unifying heavyweight voices in the way that you get it because because you, you get it down here in New Zealand too, you know, because there are um, until recently there have been very few um, sort of main channels, and so there are these like. And sadly, I don't think they exist anymore, but they used to be just these legendary publications, you know, which I think is sort like of tastemakers, you know, like, a, is there like, a, I'm trying to think of like somebody, you know, like a Jose Mangan, right? He's like the version uh, on XM radio where you yeah. know, if you premiere something with them, people, people will listen and they'll take it, take it for more than just like background music where much, but there's a lot more of those same exact outlets here that people don't really seem to react from even if the song is great it doesn't really move the needle is what i'm I'm getting at and then over there it kind of does you know that's been a that's been a, an interesting thing with the u.s and you could probably speak to it too with with being in a band was always like how do you let people know when your new albums come out because for in japan it was you know it's this magazine and it's you know this guy's the howard stern of rock radio over there and they, they still have those and and europe kind of does too you know with the metal hammers and the kerrangs and stuff like that and then you get to the us and you're talking to the publicist you know and it's but but i mean shit man it's a big place with a lot of people so yeah i just always kind of took know? away this idea that i feel like the public trusts those take maker tastemakers and those public publications word a little bit more uh, maybe that's just because of you know, uh, my own. You got more when I, more hashtag fake news in the US. Is that what you're trying to tell sure. us? Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like think you can come out, they you can ads, come out and you know? say it. It's okay. I knew where I you mean, were going. It's like with the that. version it's of the veil gets an ex- ex- uh, exposed, right? You know, somebody's like, "This is how that's happened." It's all about advertising, blah blah blah. So people are disenfranchised by what's put in front of their face. Like, I don't need to pay attention to this because it's probably just an ad, right? Uh, we're over there when somebody's yeah. like, coming up next on the hut hour, we got shit fuck fuck fest mountain at two o'clock, yeah. brand new. And they're like, shit fuck fuck fest mountain. I'm going to listen for sure because, you know, uh, Dick Clark, the radio guy or whatever it is, says said to, you know, that's what I'm kind of like. I see it happen all the time. Like you can shake the tree as much as you want, but sometimes the fruit just won't fall. Yeah, they've got that culture of tastemakers, don't they? Much more. In Europe, yeah, find it, yeah. with those sort of institutional um, stations and stuff like that, that are still going strong. I, I yeah. think in the in England, obviously, London is still seen as this epicenter for basically information. I mean, how many bands that are U.S. bands for one didn't break until they the enemy or someone talked about them, mm-hmm. like Rival Sons or you know Kings of Leon, and we still yeah. have we we had Tom the guys Petty. from Blackstone Cherry. Yeah, we had we had uh, Ben from Blackstone Cherry and. And even Alterbridge, where they're playing theaters over here, they'll play arenas in Europe. It's it's interesting, um, but I think England has always had something, whether it's John Peel or Sounds, or now with Metal Hammers being these kind of like trusted, because they have such tra- tradition of having a really great track record. I think in the States, I think once after MTV stopped playing things, like when Matt Pinfield and all of them were kind of telling you what's what, uh, I think when they stopped playing music is when we lost our kind of, those tastemakers we used to look at. 
So it's it's always interesting, but now bands have to be very savvy in their own social media in order to, to kind of move those things. Yeah, I also feel that that Europe and, and Japan, they're very loyal fans. And if they like you from one album, they'll like you forever. And in America, um, and not that it's like bad or anything, but it's just like, you know, picking and choosing, you'll listen to this, and then you might listen to that. But, but out there, it's just dedication for life. And that's how um, this is just different. I, I don't know if you agree, Kent, but it just seems like like people in Europe, sometimes we've seen them, they say they've been sleeping outside of the venue for three days because they want to get front row. And it just, it happens in America, just not as much. I think it's just way more passionate out there. Yeah. Americans, am I right, guys? Anyone? I know. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, as much as America loves music and stuff like that, I think it's just, where it used to kind of drive the culture, it's just part of pop culture now. It's not like, but I still feel Europe, it's still, music still kind of drives the culture. So it's paid attention yeah. to. And again, obviously it takes you two months to do a full US tour. You can do like the United Kingdom in 10 days. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to cover. You, you know, I, la lastly about this is about culture. For instance, we're on the Shiprocked uh, podcast right now. And, the, the ship in general, I feel like, is a is a beacon for what culture and the incubator of bands and community and all of that kind of should be and can be simply like when you're a new band on the, on the ship. Wilson knows about this. And you guys know about this. People pay attention that moment and then continue to just like you said, Zach, yep. like they do in, in Japan, where it's like it's not just a fleeting moment and somebody's not like, well, you know, I could go check out this band. This is after the ship, right? You know, I could go check out this band that I saw on the ship. But tonight instead, I'm going to watch, you know, uh, fucking whatever on, on YouTube and jerk off for a few hours. They're going to go to the fucking show. They're still going to jerk off later. But for that evening, the first for moment, a few hours, hang on, yeah, for a I few mean, hours. <laughs> When you get like, you know, it's a fucking that COVID, was, bro. It was, it that was, was a real uh, vignette into Chad's <laughs> life. <laughs> I got plenty of time. Uh, but the, the, the culture that kind of creates and the and then the the further burn of that culture is what I wish the music community scene, especially in rock and roll in 2020 could take a page from what do yeah, you guys I, think about your I know what you mean by ship yeah. rock. you go on there and you, you have fans for life after ship rock there's nothing like it in the world and uh when we first did it we didn't know what to expect we didn't know if people would like us and uh it, it's just amazing I, everyone wants to hang out and be friends and they're all fans and like you said they'll go listen to you and support you forever after that and that's what is really special about ship rock which um it's, it's one of a kind for sure yeah, and America does community really well. Like the culture and community, like the way all of the ship rockers get together or even, um, you know, like when you go out on tours with bands, like you go out on tour with your band or with our band and you can see the fans have met one another and they've all travelled a distance to come together. And so in the US you do see that sense of, <laughs> you do see that sense of um, community coming together that you maybe don't see in other countries. So that's a, a big plus. And you definitely see it with Shiprock, man, because you go on yeah. tour and you see the Shiprock shirts showing up all around the country at your shows, you know, and people yeah. are just, it's like a way of life. They, they look forward to it every year. As you say, they really um, encourage the new bands and, and latch on and take an interest and support you. Yeah, it's really cool. 
Yeah, I think it's twofold. I mean, one, you just can't, you mentioned the guys that stay out three, three days before the show is because they want to get front or whoever. Uh, it's those basically 5,000 of those kind of people on the ship. Sure. Yeah. You know, that they're that type. And also, too, it's, um, we're noticing over years the growth of people from Europe and from other parts of the world. I mean, last year, I believe, or, or the year before, I think our, we do a thing contest, like who came the farthest to come to this? And it was someone from New Zealand. And, yeah, uh, I've met some people on the ship from New Zealand. It was crazy. So yeah. they have about yeah, 20%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have about 20% of people from, you know, and I love it because they bring that kind of European festival attitude where they're flying the flags and everything like that. And it's a tribal kind of thing. And I love that. I'm always like, man, I, I always tell people, like, if you come from like Kansas or Colorado, bring your state flag, man. Let's fly them all. Let it be, that'd be really just to add to the experience of like, Man, we're all from everywhere, but we're all one here. I not sound like yeah. a fucking hippie, but you know. No, man. You're, I mean, not to get all weird, but I, I, that's the whole point of like yeah. why I think every everybody loves it is they can be the hippie. You know, they yeah. can be this part of the, that part of themselves that's like, this is so dope. Here's somebody from Norway and the Swedes and New Zealand mm -hmm. and U.S. and sometimes Canada. You know, and they'll come come together <laughs> on the ship and for one week of their lives they're all one you know and that's yeah. like the community that or even any festival there's very few in the u.s at least that are based around that same exact culture um you know yeah and and you could just um everybody's partying and you could just mm -hmm. it's what i loved about it is it's so easy to get to a concert like obviously but you know you don't have to drive anywhere park it you just like shit, they're on in the theater and you just sort of rock on over with your drink, you know, and you go and watch for a bit. Then, you you know, go to another one. Yeah. It's red. Yeah. Great. So I'm you guys had a good time what, on your ship? Sorry, Justin, you go. No, you I, was, go. I was just going to ask, uh, I, what was your experience like with the fans? I mean, was it when you guys first come on and Chad usually asks this question, but I'm just going to ask, it's like, what's it like when you first come on on the gangway and you go into the, the, the atrium where the, everyone aboards a ship and you're going, oh my God, we're going to be around all of this craziness and how are we going to do this? Uh, what was your reaction like with the fans? Were they first, my thinking is, has always been like, they meet you one time and then basically just treat you like a friend, let you let you do your thing. They don't bother you. Uh, they kind of get on with things, we, in which we always appreciate because we want our artists to feel like, hey, they're relaxed, they can have fun here. Um, what was your experience like? Uh, it's been yeah. amazing every time we've ever done. I mean, no one's no one's rude and no one's in your face or whatever. Everyone just treats you like a friend of theirs. And, and like you just said, they meet you and, and it's it's easy. And like you feel you don't feel like there's any strangers on the ship. You feel like, you know, everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like just one big community and everyone's really respectful of everything. And everyone's really friendly and kind. And I, I've never had a bad experience on Shiprock ever. I love it. Yeah, we, we've got to know some of them pretty well as, as a result, you know, and, and it's cool. It's a cool balance because it's like when you mm. first get on, you know, people come up and they're complimentary about your band, which, you know, is, is awesome. And then, but then they'll hang out and talk. But as you say, everybody just treats you like a mate. Yeah. Nobody's, um, but I mean, I've, I've had some great, like, even like um, days when everybody would get off the ship and go into the excursions and there might be a few people, you know, like me that just felt like chilling and you're just sitting, having lunch together. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, always, I love seeing it when I wake up in the morning. I see like bands having breakfast with, with you know, just the cruisers or whatever. Like, man, that's that's such a cool connection for both, you know, because now artists can sit down and just talk about the weather instead of like about their music probably. And the fan is like, oh, my God, this is great. What an experience I'm having. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very cool. Ship, ship legs. You guys ever had them after you got off the ship? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't know. I was kind of nervous about that, but I, I didn't really ever feel seasick once. I guess it's so big. I guess you don't really feel it move, but, uh, we, uh, the, the first time we played, the first time we played, they it got too rough for our main stage. Oh, gig. Right. I remember that. So we were up in the front lounge, you know, that top one up the front of the boat. Mm-hmm. And we did two up there. And the second one was the really rough night. And I'm like, and I'm playing and, you know, and, and I usually kind of like, you know, nod in time with the music. And it was just the waves were just carrying me forward further and further into the drums, just about smashing the cymbals with my own head, you know. And then I'm like, Oh, I don't feel too good, man. And I look up and the chandeliers are just going whoosh, 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 back and forth. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> that's that's that. terrifying. And you're hitting <laughs> but it was down, rad. It was, like, it was still packed out. Like, don't fucking barf on me, please. Don't yeah, totally. Yeah, dude. Well, I thought I was just going to ass it and smash it and fall into the drum kit, you know? <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So basically, uh, what we're looking at then for you guys then is new the full new album in, in 2021. And then if things clear up, then the tour uh commences and it'll take you probably into 2022 yeah that's the that's the plan man as soon as life gets back to normal we've got a lot of tours that we're gonna go and hit the road with and yeah yeah, some new tunes in between oh that's gonna be amazing um and that's really smart thing i see a lot of bands doing it too they're just kind of dropping a song here and there you keep everyone interested you keep you know people can really digest that one track until they're ready for the next one and that's just a really smart way to do it right now yeah. yeah, it kind of seems to be the way it's shifting with how people are making their own playlists and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it works well if you're sort of um, in this kind of position too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so guys, we like to end uh, these conversations with something called the big three. And uh, basically we'll ask you guys both the same question, three of them. And just, it's not even, it might be music related if you'd like it to be, but it's generally just general questions. So, uh, Chad, you'd like to begin that, please? <laughs> I think I know the answer uh, to this question. So uh, I'm going to start with Zach. My question, and I'm probably wrong, but I think I'm right. Uh, in st- Zach, if you could be anybody else in the whole world besides Zach, who would you pick? It has to be living. Um, Jeff Bezos wouldn't be a bad idea. Definitely didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say Kent because the bass thing, but uh, wow. Bezos, yeah, they be, you're making some money. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ken, do you want to be be Zach? Well, I was going to, yeah, I'm, I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt now. I was going to say Zach, but. Yeah. Well, fuck it. I'm going to be Bezos instead. Then. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but who, yeah, Ken, who would you be? Who would I be? I don't know. Don't you think everybody looks like they come with a lot of baggage? It looks pretty exhausting being some of those, you know, rich and famous types. Could be. You could be just, you could be somebody that we don't even know. You could be just Bob from down the street. Yeah. You could be like, you could be super jealous of your neighbor and tell us all about it right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I I don't know. Who would I? Who would I be right now? I don't know. It's been such a weird year because it's been so insular. You just, you know, it's not. It hasn't been a year where you're like thinking about a lot of people. Yeah, if you want to throw it, if you want to throw the, the the answer away, that's fine. We can we can circle back at it. Let's move time. on. Yeah, yeah. get some thoughts. Okay, in well, I'm just going to uh, just write down Zach just for now in pencil. Put Zach in. I'll, I'll lock in Zach. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, um, okay, Zach, we're talking about Zach. Let's talk about this one. Uh, is there one fear that you would like to conquer that you have? Flying. I, I absolutely hate flying, but I need to do it for my job. And it just. Uh, I was going to say, what, what profession are you in? Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't um, I don't even know what it is. It's like an irrational fear that like the power is going to cut out. And I, it doesn't even make sense, but uh, it's just every flight. That's all I think about the whole time. Oh, it makes sense. You're on a bucket of steel 30,000 feet up in the air. I get it. But yeah. what, uh, what do you do then right now to kind of like, keep it at bay when you are flying? Um, I try to watch as many films as I can and um, try not to think about it. It's kind of all I can do. I, I can't sleep on planes. I, I can't, I, I don't know, I get really restless. I just, I, I often wonder, I'm, I'm very jealous of the other three in the band because they're all tall and they can sleep like babies on flights. So I just always wish I could do that. And I just cannot save my life. But um, that, that's probably my worst fear, to be honest. Do you think the way to conquer then is just to keep flying until basically it just becomes part of your norm probably i mean by the time uh, a tour is over and you're so tired and uh you just you know you've been traveling non-stop for a month the, the plane could be shaking like a crazy and you just you're so tired you don't even care so probably yeah all right all right uh kent same question what's the one fear you have that you would like to conquer uh in the last few years i've like started to develop the fear of sharks more and more and the problem is now I'm back in New Zealand where they have sharks out in the sea. I and I, say, also, and I also want to, yeah, I know, dude, I had this big fear of sharks while I was um, living in Toronto by a lake for the last few years. And now I'm actually by the sea. It's coming up to summer. And I also want to get back into surfing. And it's kind of like the thing I can't get past in my mind is it's kind of like going into the jungle with quicksand and people are like, yeah, yeah, there's a shitload of lions out there. And you're like, oh, I, fuck, I can't move very fast in here. If one comes to me, everyone goes, yep, yep, that's pretty much it, man. And, then, you know, so it's like you go willingly into their habitat where you move slow as fuck. And then you just let, and, then, you know, and I just can't it's get so past that. When you think about yeah, it. Everyone, everyone, I'm sure every surfer probably goes, they don't want their Mick Fanning moment, you know? So. You know, that's true. And I always have, and my brother's always like, dude, you, you do understand, like it hardly ever happens, but that's why it's the one yeah. I want to get that's over. The, but I well, can't, the, I, you know. I, as again, is it just getting out? I mean, have you ever like gotten a cage and just done the swimming with sharks or something to kind of meet them head on and you kind of get a better understanding of them? What do you, what do you do to conquer the shark fear? Stop being a pussy, I think is what they said to do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I don't want to be lunch. Get in the cage and just like box it out with one of those. <laughs> yeah, just knock them out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I guess you just get out there and keep shark. doing it, right? Yeah, but, this, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know statistically it's not going to happen, but I think when you're just up there on your surfboard looking like a seal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, best to get in a group and get around someone who's fat. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, uh, conquer it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the idea of shark attacks, I'm what they say it's like you basically have a better chance of getting struck by lightning under a, a rainbow right while riding yeah, a well, unicorn. Exactly, getting, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, or to like uh, uh, your plane to go down while you're flying. Pro <laughs> so, probably, yeah. Right, the shark infested waters. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the yeah. The two of you are just like, oh, this can't yeah. be happening. Yeah, yeah. Right now. <laughs> no, like, man, listen, I get the whole thing because uh, when you swim in the bayous here or anything, there's they do have signs about gators and gators oh, are very real. Another here. one. Yeah. yeah. They're, you know, they come at you like underwater, too. And they're just a menace, you know, but they're like a, basically, a, you know, they're like a small car themselves. Some of them. 
So yeah, I think I think to a, a, a gator is a menace. <laughs> yeah, what now? Exactly. Yeah. You're like they're a menace. You're like they're, they're it's like menace. it's like a bug that you just smack off. Yeah. Of your head. <laughs> yeah Gatorade um, a baby. What a menace. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chad, I'm going to hand this one off to you. This is from a fan. I think number three. Yeah. So yeah. the question that we were posed to ask is. Um, <clears throat> And you kind of touched on it earlier, uh, Zach. So of all of your personality traits that you're aware of, which of those is something that you feel like the question is, is what if what if any personality trait would you change? Um, So it kind of leans into that. If you weren't you, who would you be question? But like, you know, imagine being yourself, but only you didn't, you know, uh, fart. uncontrollably or something, you know, I've uh, been meaning to work on that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, wow, that's a deep, this is getting deep now. Um, I, I'm, I'm really impatient. I think at least I feel, I'm told I'm impatient by everyone that's around me, but uh, I, I think I, I'd probably be a little more patient. Uh, you know, I'm the type of person that puts less time on the microwave or, you know, all that kind of stuff with everything. I'm impatient about everything. <laughs> Yeah, you're rolling the dice on Ebola just like on a constant basis. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, I like everything. I, I need it to be done faster. Less time on I mean, the microwave. Is, yeah. You're like, just, it says like, three minutes, but I'm going to go. I can't. I can't. Three minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> patience is hard man i mean I, i'm super impatient that's like the biggest part of my personality yeah. i agree with you that's the first thing but, but again zach you're in the hurry up and wait business there so. we go. I know. It, it's <laughs> funny everyone thinks you know backstage is like you know nothing but partying and drugs or whatever they think it is and it's really just on your phone hanging out all day that, that's all it is and chad would know all about that it's just yeah hanging it's the worst all especially Especially as you know, we, when you get to those spaces, we're like, oh, okay, so this is oh, where this I have to spend today. Yeah, yeah, the totally, next yeah. seven hours before the thing that I'm supposed to do happens when I was doing the 10 of it with my buddies in the car just before I got here. It's <laughs> totally. part of my life. <laughs> How about you, Ken? <laughs> oh, I think, um, and, I've, and it's been tested a lot this year too, is like uh, trying to control shit you have no control over. You know, I always like to like have a sense of what we're doing and, and what we're planning. And, and it's been really cool in past years to do stuff like want to go to Japan and get to Japan or getting to put records out and planning when you're going to do that or when you're going to go and do these tours. But you kind of just realize like there's just some shit in life that you have no control over, you know. And so that's one thing i got to get better at. What is your go to? Like, can you give me in a scenario, uh, even if it's not to do with the band that like, you are essentially also kind of sort of impatient, but more or less like that need for the info, that need to make a choice, I suppose. Can you give us an example? Well, well, this year with, with all the with all the touring, you know, it was like we had this European tour and um, they put the they put the world into lockdown. So I'm like, cool, no worries, let's set it up for August. So then you set it up for August. They go, oh, okay, cool, no worries, let's set it up for November. So then they set it up for November, and then you're just starting to see the trend of like, nah, man, you can't control this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big test. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's a huge test. Between patience and the uh, ownership of control, those are some massive um, flashlights 
on those areas of our uh, uncomfortable stability as artists. I think we all kind of share some of that, but specifically as artists, I think we're a little bit more grandiose when it comes to patience, uh, the virtues of patience and uh, trust. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. For well, sure. Yeah. Making waves are slowly wound down into a psychology experiment. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so yeah, Weird. it's great. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to hear the thought process of, of creative, uh, you know, people, on when they just deal with things that, you know, people who don't work in this business or are not a musician or an artist, you know, they deal with the same thing, just in a different manner, obviously. But so it's always really good for people to hear this kind of talk, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Like when yeah. I was younger, my my granddad said to me, he was like, you know, I've been around long enough that I know the one door opens when another door closes. And so I try and be philosophical about that, but it's kind of, kind of, kind of goes against your nature, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You want to feel absolutely. like you're always in control of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, Chad, we've had these gentlemen for a little over an hour. Is there anything you'd like to end with? Uh, I, there's lots of things I'd like to end with. One of them being, I love you both. And it was great to see you. And I cannot wait <laughs> for the new record to come out. And hopefully after your European crusher, you'll come over to the States and uh, I can kiss you both on the mouth pre post COVID. Of course, I'll show you my papers. <laughs> you'll have the vaccine by yeah, then. Man. You'll be fine. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Well, we love yeah. you guys too, man. We appreciate it so much. Good yeah. to see you dudes. And so, uh, maybe Zach, we'll be, uh, no, I was going to say, Zach, Kent, thank you so much. Obviously, please say hey um, to the, the fellas. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys do in 2020. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, new album, 2021, uh, for the gentleman in the Like a Storm. And then a tour to follow after that. And they'll be touring the world, folks. So they will see you at some point. Uh, real quick, before we check off here, I want to thank you uh, to Al, Alan, Jen, and Heather, our staff, for uh, making uh making ways happen so we appreciate it uh we'll see everyone again in early december everyone have a great thanksgiving love you Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!